Your inner geek wants to come out and play, but where to go? Join Vernon Wells, the ultimate club where you and your fellow geeks can hang out, play games, and just nerd out 24-7. Whether you love RPGs, video games, or are just a major fan of sci-fi and geek culture, Vernon Wells has something for everyone. Let your geek flag fly at Vernon Wells. Sign up today and see for yourself. VNW.club. That's VNW.club. Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Wait a minute. This sounds very weird. It sounds very weird because I am not the Reverend in Fuego. He is on assignment. Well, he is an ass on assignment. I say hey. on assignment, but no. Okay. No. We're here to provide you your dad jokes. I am Vicky Barcelona. Woo! And across from me is uh, Joey Dees. I'm running the board. Yes, running the board. And with Hi. us, of course, that yes. annoying voice you're hearing in the corner. Yes! Is the show's namesake, BJ Shea. I'm all cured. I'm back. Oh, God. Yeah, it has been a hell of a couple weeks. We're going to update you like on what happened like at Dice Tower, mm-hmm. as well as um, some unfortunate news here for Emerald City Comic Con. We're going to probably hear some uh, some movie news and uh, the geek sheet with, well, me. Oh, and, and don't forget the big controversy in the world of sci-fi over yes. in England. Well, how can we get a hold of us, uh, Vicky? Um, get a hold of us yeah, via our website. How can get a hold of us, Vicky? <laughs> Thank you, BJ. Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. Uh, it's going to send you to all our blogs, podcasts, and more. More! 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 more. Or just BJ Geek Nation, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Radio.com, or iTunes. And please give us those five-star reviews. Yeah, if you do, you might get a prize because we bribe people. That's yes, what we, do we've been, we, we will sign this little card and yeah. we will put it inside this little comic that we have from a long box. And uh, we're going to send you a comic at random. That's right. We have so. to wait for Rev to get back, though, before we do yeah, that, he, right? he, right? He's in charge of mailing. Yeah. He's gone. I told him I'm not mailing any more stuff. I don't blame you. I keep getting paper cuts. Uh, but yeah, the last couple of weeks, Dice Tower West. Yeah. We were. That's why we didn't have a podcast two weeks ago. And from Dice Tower, we got the con, con crud. And boy, getting con crud right now during all this uh, coronavirus COVID thing, I mean, that's really double indemnity, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, it reminded me because, uh, you know, they, they at, at, at an Emerald City Comic Con years ago, I actually played magic with a guy that had the bird flu. I oh didn't know God. at the time he had the bird Ew. flu. He tells me later on down the road, I don't know if you know, but at the last Comic-Con, it turns out I had the swine flu or whatever, the bird flu, swine flu. And I'm like, dude, like we played game. We were touching stuff and everything. Ugh. But that's, you know, uh, and here we are again in that situation, but much worse. Uh, but we did do Dice Tower West. I spent a lot of it in my hotel room trying to get over the crud. Who gave it to you? Because I thought you were patient zero. You were saying you're not patient zero with our group? I'm not saying. I, w- I think there was two patient zeros. All right. And I'm saying the ones that uh, the one that got you sick yeah. was somebody else. That Yeah, it was Joey D's. What? How did I get you sick? Because you were sick before me, and we shared the same room. There's, I mean, we, I, I basically, you know, look, we shared the same hotel room. I'm going to touch <laughs> all the stuff you're touching. If your board game friends were sick first, they got you sick. I because that's how I got sick. Yeah, but then where do you think? What if I and I slept in the same room as you? You don't think I got it from you? Because well, he's not zero. Then you spent you spent more time he's, with he's people who were three. infected than you spent with me. All so right. the people who were infected probably got both of us infected. Actually, to be honest, you know what? It's Vicky's fault. Vicky? Yeah. You know yeah. what? I'm just going to accept it because uh, we need to move on. Yeah. Uh, but instead of talking about yeah, we know, were sick. that grossness, how about what what games do you get to play? Because you go absolutely insane. You're there from in the morning till like what? Four in the morning? 
Yeah, and you get three hours of sleep when you go to a con, especially a, a, a con as good as Dice Tower, because any of the Dice Tower cons, their their game library is really amazing, and there's always enough games to play, always enough free play tables. That's another thing when you go to cons. Sometimes you have to hunt for a table, and it's a beating. Mm-hmm. But uh, the good folks at Dice Tower, two years in a row at Dice Tower West in Las Vegas, there we never had a problem getting a table, and there was a good amount of people there. But they're always smart enough to have a room big enough to overly accommodate however you know how how many people they're going to have show up and uh they were great uh dice tower had uh the friendliest uh, board game convention ever and they really interact with people they even set up a lot of uh of uh, berkey's game top or game tops and uh they so they were playing there and doing a lot of games you saw tom vassal sitting down playing with people z garcia was doing that roy Canada. a lot of the other folks you might know from dice tower and that's fun to see they really interact they come by and you know, Tom talked to us a lot of times, just not because he knew who we were or didn't. He just came by because he's talking to everybody at the con. It's a great con to go to for, you know, run by a, a bunch of people who really care about their fans. And you can tell, like, uh, everyone is really happy to be there. And I love how diverse it was mm. between race and gender and ages. Like, oh, you yeah. saw little, little kids sitting there with yeah. their mom and dad playing. And then you see people that are like, my grandma. And they're just playing games with fellow grandmas, just having a blast. And that's what, like, blew my mind. And you could be sitting there, you want to learn a game, you can put up your little sign, and somebody will go and play with you. It's very communal. We're proving people wrong. We're not all antisocial and socially awkward, or at least not as much as you'd think. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun, and I can't wait for next year. But And you uh, you asked me, Vicki, um, what games I played, and I have to say the most cool thing of the con wor- weren't the games I played, and we can talk a little bit about those later if you want to, but really it was a local company in Seattle, and I forget the name of the company. It's Laser something. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, gosh, and I, I have their cards in my game bag at home. So, uh, <laughs> you know what, I mean, in a later episode, we will give them their proper name. But it's a local company in Seattle who went to Dice Tower in Vegas, and they immediately got sold out as they have created these very stackable, portable game bowls, laser-printed game bowls in all sorts of colors. And my gosh, all of us from our game table went over there, and we were like, holy cow! And then anytime somebody saw us with these, they said, what the heck are these? They're great game bowls, laser-printed, that stack into each other, that also have these little openings, these little pour openings, so that you can easily take your components and pour them back into the bags that they originally came in because sometimes that's a problem with game bowls is that you go, all right, I got to take uh, all these crystals from uh, Zaya and somehow get them back in this bag without just having the crystals just go everywhere because my bowl mouth is too big for the bag. <laughs> these bowls cured that, but they're stackable so you can really pack them in a very compact way when you're traveling. We sold our whole table went up there and they were like, we don't have any more. What is it? And then all of a sudden, everybody else that was at the con saw these and they said, what are those? Where'd you get those? And they also have components for games to trick out, like, uh, for instance, Terraforming Mars. They made some really cool, I don't know if it's plastic or resin little pieces for Terraforming Mars. Like, um, there's a. a, a, a Laserland. A, thank you. Uh, Laserland in the Seattle area. Look them up. You are going to love what they have to offer. And if you just look up Laserland, one word on Etsy, you can find a lot of their stuff on there as well. Yeah, I got some cool stickers from them. I would not be surprised if here in the Seattle area and other game stores, once they see what they offer, if they might just say, hey, guys, can we start carrying your stuff? So in, in, in like Terraforming Mars, uh, there's, a colonies, uh, there's a colonies expansion where you have ships and you put cubes inside the ships to show that this is my ship, this is your ship. 
Well, they went and laser printed ships in the shape of iconic ships from the worlds we know, <laughs> like the Millennium Falcon, like the Starship Enterprise, that uh, that you could put your cubes in. Of course, I had to buy those, right? I mean, of course, I had to buy those. Oh, they, uh, do you ever play Everdell? Oh, Everdell, those the, those components. Well, they have a uh, little acorn type nuts that you can put your uh, your little pieces in yeah. on their Etsy page right now. Yeah, this is they they do a really really good job, and they were relatively inexpensive considering mm-hmm. I was. You know, I, I, I've paid more money for laser printed stuff from people. And I was surprised that, like, you know, for a buck or two bucks, I could get this. I'm like, OK, I, <laughs> you got me. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll buy these. So that was like the big discovery for me because you get to go to the vendors and we got to st- uh, talk to Stephen Bonacor from Stronghold Games. And he talked about all the great games that they have and the ones they have coming out. And Stephen's a great he's a, he's a great ambassador of the game industry as well. Uh, Cooper Island was a game we played that mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. It's a pirate game where you have to travel around and you visit other people people's islands, which you get to use their abilities and their actions to help you find a way to build up some cool 3D lands that will get you more resources the more lands you build up. It's a clever game, and uh, I really, really like that. And I only got to play one turn because somebody had to leave, and they're like, hey, would you finish out the game for me? I did not do that well. I would assume you got zero points. Yes, I got the lowest <laughs> in the game because I read a card wrong and thought I was about to score big, and I did not score big. During this convention, I found a trend that apparently I had not known about previously, and that's whenever BJ takes over for someone in a board game, he does the worst. Yes, thank you. Mm. And again, I try to interpret what they were trying to do and try to figure it out, and I would like to blame their bad strategy choices in the first place, but that's uh, probably me. It's like he sits down and tries to speak a different language, and it doesn't go well. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a lot of fun. So I would say Cooper Island and On Mars were two big hits for me. We played those a lot. And if you want to hear more about like all the other games that Joey and I have played, if you go to the last episode of BJ Shea's Board Game Alliance, the Tuesday episode, you can hear in more detail as well as uh, the games Sean and Josh played. Yeah, I have to tell you, this is a, it was 100 hours of gaming, five days. Vegas is a great location. And it's just great for uh, a bunch of us who don't get to see each other. We, got, we forgot our buddy Joseph, who's not even from Seattle, and we forgot we met him there last year, and he was there again. And so we went and sat down with him. They're also really encouraging people they always do to say hey if you can meet somebody new or be very inclusive and invite him to your table when you're gaming so it's a really cool thing that i think if you're you know got a vacation that you're trying to plan dice tower west is the place to go and they're doing it i believe february march of next year yeah uh, I know somewhere that in, it was either end of february beginning of march somewhere in that vicinity they uh they had early registration open for next year but it is currently closed they do say uh, to check their facebook page around august of this year 2020 um, to see when tickets go on sale. Yeah, and I'll be doing it. Uh, it's it's a great trip. It's a lot of fun. As much fun as we had, unfortunately, we have some bad news when it comes to the world of cons. If you haven't heard, yeah. I mean, con crud slash, you know, coronavirus, Tecate virus, whatever you want to call it, uh, has been hitting a lot of places pretty hard. And if, for those who don't know, we broadcast out of Seattle, Washington, Yeah, which unfortunately is like an epicenter of a lot of stuff going on. Uh, so they had to postpone Emerald City Comic Con. That's why you don't hear us all excited and giddy trying to rush out of here to go participate in the con. Although I think uh, there's a lot of people doing a lot of cool stuff instead of Emerald City Comic Con to make up for it. Like you're coming up with CrudCon. Yeah, we it's basically we're going to one of our FLGSs, our friendly local game store, because we were our buddies at Zulu's Board Game Cafe in Bothell. They're great people. They were going to have they were going to actually have their storefront at ECCC. And we were basically going to have an area and be playing games and playing all the games that they wanted us to play that people could see that they could then sell. 
Well, we're just going to go to Zulus and play board games because that's what mm-hmm. we're going to do anyway. So uh, we're doing CrudCon. Plus, it will help support local businesses because maybe where you're listening to us right now, you don't have as extreme measures in place the way Seattle does. Because now, I mean, as of this airing, 250 uh, people is the cap. Yeah, is the cap for gatherings, and everyone's told pretty much to stay home. But at the same time, they're saying, "But you also should patronize businesses so they can stay open." And, and there's a it's lot a of, tough time right now. There's a lot of ways to do so. I saw Rev post this on his uh, Facebook fan page. Just like, and we'll share it on our Facebook as well. If there's any businesses, if you're an artist in the area, especially if you're going to Emerald City Comic Con or just an artist in general, like you have your Etsy page or whatever, put a link on there. Let's promote the hell out of it. You know, let's help those small local businesses. And if there's, you know, you're thinking more like a food place, uh, one uh, tip that I was given is go get gift cards. Just order a bunch of gift cards or go pick up a lot of gift cards. That way you're still kind of giving them a little business and you can use those at a later date. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that because, you know, there was one financial expert that said that, you know, we're not a manufacturing, uh, you know, business country. Really, there's a a lot of service industry as opposed to manufacturing industry for a lot of businesses. How do they weather this storm? Hadn't thought about the gift card route. That is a way to keep them in good shape. And that's the way you can preserve food because you can't, you know, they can't keep the food forever. But the Mm -hmm. gift card, that's the thing they can sell us. Good call. Which is perfect. Um, But let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, Apparently... Doctor Who, is, you know, had its finale. Yeah, it did. And, and the, there was some controversy? Yeah. You know, earlier this year, they introduced a new doctor. Mm-hmm. The trouble was, is we have seen all the doctors. So we're like, who's this new doctor? Because it isn't one that is succeeding Jodie Whittaker's doctor. And usually that's when you meet a new doctor is when, uh, you know, when it's going to be the newer one. Uh, there's only one time in Doctor Who history where we got to see somebody that was in the middle of two doctors and they gave us whole history. He's the war doctor. Uh, but and so that was where they said, well, we don't know about this guy because he was actually, you know, between uh, this doctor and that doctor, which was kind of cool. He ended up being between the old school Doctor Who and the new Doctor Who that was introduced in 2005 by um, Russell T. Davies. So this Chris Chibnall has been getting a lot of heat. He got a lot of heat last season for the fact that there weren't a lot of familiar Doctor Who villains in last season. Um, I really love Jodie Whittaker. She, I'm going to say it, she's my favorite doctor. What? Yeah, she really is. I, I, you know, and I've been afraid to say it before because I thought I would be doctor shamed because, look, old school, if you're 102 years old like me, if you don't say Tom Baker, people looked at you like you were crazy. So you kind of were forced to say, oh yeah, Tom Baker is my favorite doctor. And look, Tom Baker was a great doctor, but he was like everybody's favorite doctor. And then... Arguably, David Tennant was everybody's favorite doctor in the new school Doctor Who. And if you didn't say David Tennant, you were kind of like, what the hell? You really thought Matt Smith was good? You like Peter Capaldi? And it's like, yeah, I did. Sorry. Well, Jodie Whittaker is so good. God, I really like her doctor so much. I think that she has been terrific. And it irritates me when everybody just wants to hate on something. Now, I have to tell you that this last episode has rewritten all of Doctor Who canon it is surely not a perfect episode. It is, I mean, and I'm not a huge fan like a lot of people are, so I don't know the whole history, but there's been a lot of things I go, yeah, you're right. I can't say you're wrong about that. And Joey, you know what it's like when we watch Star Trek and there are plot holes and you just go, why oh couldn't they figure this out? Yeah. I wish that Chris Chibnall would sit down or maybe he's waiting until next season to give us more info and that's why he's made it look like there are plot holes, but maybe it's just because we haven't seen the whole story. But basically what happens is, is they've rewritten the entire history of the show. This is, a, uh, this is like an almost 60-year history, started in 1963. 
That episode, the last episode, The Timeless Children, rewrote everything, which you're hmm. just like, whoa. And, and, and for folks that aren't Doctor Who fans, I won't go into all the nuts and bolts of it, but it basically did a reset in some people's minds of everything. And everybody's pissed. I mean, the episode itself got a 5.7. People are mad because there were certain things done with a, with some enemies that they said, wait a second, they said the enemies absorbed these guys, but these guys were never considered compatible, so they could never have done that. So a lot of plot holesy stuff has happened, which has overshadowed some wonderful performances. The new master is just fantastic. And uh, let me give him um, a Sasha Dawan or Dewan. He's been amazing. We were introduced to him at the beginning of the season. The master is basically like the archenemy of the doctor. He's sort of like the Moriarty to the doctor's homes. Gotcha. And he was terrific. And again, the lore of Doctor Who is they regenerate. So these guys always are played by different actors over the years. Because for a while it was, I'm um, blanking, Michelle? No, something Gonzalez. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was uh, it was uh, Michelle Gomez. Gomez, that's right. Yeah, she was Missy, who was mm-hmm. a female version, uh, basically the first female version we saw of The Master. Before that, John Sim, who was a great British actor. He was fantastic. Uh, Derek Jacoby, actually, before that for a short amount of time, but he's also a great actor. We've had good masters. And boy, uh, you know, so uh, really, Sasha is terrific. He's been terrific. I loved him in this episode. Really, really good. It's too bad because I like the episode a lot, and it's overshadowed by what appear to be plot holes. But I will say this. They went and they took an episode from the 70s, and I I didn't realize something happened on an episode in the 70s that kind of had people go, wait a second, this is kind of against canon, and then everybody forgot about it. They're like, ah, Mm -hmm. probably just a stupid episode from the 70s. Forget about it. Well, son of a gun, Chris Chibnall brought it back, and even images and everything. And and so he used this particular episode as a reason why he could basically rewrite all canon. And for that from that perspective, it's like, I can't argue with him because that other episode does exist that did basically give you an idea that possibly this rewrite could be true. I will say... In normal fandoms, when you rewrite the whole thing, they usually it yeah. doesn't go well. Because why would you, right? That's the whole point of the lore. You don't make a series just to tell everyone that the series was fake. It's kind of like when they do the whole, oh, it was a dream sequence. Yes. You can't do that with the series, which I can understand even without seeing it, why people would be mad. And it's and here's the thing. It's not that they, 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 they didn't invalidate anything that happened as far as like the doctors just had lives. We just thought the first time we ever saw the first life of the doctor, because Time Lords get uh, 13 incarnations, 12 regenerations, they get to be 13 different people. And they had to figure that one out because Matt Smith was the last one. And like, all right, when he goes, what are they going to do? Well, they came up with a timey-wimey way for him a to loophole. get more regenerations. And there were other episodes where somebody had to give regenerations away and all this sort of stuff. And as it turns out, that never needed to happen because the first doctor we ever saw was not the first doctor. Turns out, this was the, the doctor turns out to be not even a Gallifreyan. That turns out that not even a Time Lord. Turns out that, oh, and, and then the then the ramifications of that. Turns out that this was a child from another planet that was experimented on by Gallifreyans so that they could learn how to get this regeneration technology that was in her inherently. And they show a lot of, like, when you think about it, it's child abuse because this person basically experimented on this doctor as a child, basically killing her over and over again to get her to regenerate so she could learn how to basically do the regeneration technology. That's a lot darker than I was expecting. Yeah. I mean, so that so that's the other problem. People going, wow, this is like child abuse. And what you're saying is, is they have unlimited regenerations and really there wasn't ever a 13. And, and, and you know, I look at it like this. You got 60 years pretty much 
they got to find some way to make it new. And look, when you're talking about science fiction, I don't get so mad if they change stuff. I don't think it really hurts the show. And, and there's a lot of people that feel the way I do. It's pretty split. It's like 50-50. People hate it, and they think that uh, everybody involved with the show should be basically executed. And then mm-hmm. people like me go, you know what? I want to see where they go with this. Why not? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't negate anything that I enjoyed before. Yeah, you know, with shows like that, especially ones that have been on so long, I do the middle ground where I'm like, I don't want the show to end, but I also don't want them to take a major change to the story arc where they're like, hey, you know that rule that we had that we haven't been breaking? We're going to break it. You know, that's kind of how I felt with Game of Thrones. It was like, I want more of the show, but I don't want you to then destroy a character or destroy something, you know, inherently obvious about the show. Yeah, they already already did it, though. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself turn into a crappy show. And that's the problem is, is that (laughs) they already broke the rule of the 13 regenerations. So it's sort of like... I, you know what? I rolled my eyes with the way they did it with Matt Smith, and this was like three or four years ago, maybe actually longer, maybe. And but I rolled my eyes, but I'm like, all right, well, I want to see the show. They're going to have to find a way around it because they're not going to end it because of the rule of thirteen regenerate twelve regenerations. So they already did it anyway, Joe. So to me, I'm not that upset. It's like they've already had to jump that shark. You know, because nobody in the 60s, they picked third, they probably figured 12 regenerations. This show will never be on that long, you know, when they came up with that. And as it turns out, yes, it will. Um, yeah, I don't mind going to like a 13th and then ending it and then starting a new series in the same world. It's that, it's the thing where they're oh, like, yeah. oh, well, you know, that rule, you know, because it's such a defining rule when it's something like that, you know, it's like saying this main character can't kill someone and then, then they kill him. And you're like, and you're like well, uh, I will say know. this Chris Chibnall is not responsible for that. That was on Moffat's jaw, that was on his watch. So, Stephen Moffat was the one that had to come up with a way to around that 13. So you can't blame Chibnall. And now you can blame Chibnall for basically saying that the doctor actually is not a Gallifrey and the doctor basically was unfortunately an abused kid by a crazy scientist from Gallifrey, which actually I can believe because Gallifreyans are a-holes and the doctor was always different. But there are a lot of plot holes, no doubt about it. I'm willing to give Chris Chibnall another season to tell me more stuff, but at some point I would love him to sit down and tell us why these so-called plot holes happened because it is it's really sloppy writing if in fact these things just happen and they go yeah we didn't know what to do that's really sloppy writing just like the last terminator movie really sloppy if that's the case but there may just be stuff we don't know because he's saving it for next year and well we'll i guess we'll just have to wait and see you're right i mean there is gonna be a next year well uh looking at the time i think it is time to get to the geek sheet with vicky b Oh, uh, well, uh, we do got a couple movies that came out this weekend or is coming out this weekend, but we also have some from previous weekends. Okay. Because we've been, we've been gone, like we said. Oh, yeah. So you're saying we should, there's some things we should be paying attention to? Yeah, especially since the movies that are coming out this weekend aren't doing so well right now. Well, plus they push back. They're going to be pushing back some movies we don't know when. I mean, the James Bond movies in November. Uh-huh, they're pushing back, uh, uh, what is it, um... Uh, actually, the movie that Vin Diesel is in this. Oh, Bloodsport or uh, Bloodshot. Oh, Vin Bloodworks. Diesel. Uh, I mean, whatever that is. Fast and Furious. They're pushing back Fast and Furious as well. But Bloodshot is coming out this weekend. It, it was one of those like I like the premise, but I wasn't sure if Vin Diesel was the right fit because he's the same character in every movie. That's yeah, right. That is the tough thing about. It. I heard it's a great graphic novel actually, mm-hmm. and that's why people were stoked they were making it into a movie. And then they were like, Oh, I don't know about Vin Diesel either. Right. Just be Groot for a while, buddy. 
Yeah, I mean, look, Vin is Vin. I mean, mm-hmm. Vin is Vin. And some people love the guy. And, you know, for the Fast and Furious movies, he's a great character. But I, I don't know anything about, uh, uh, about Bloodworks. Uh, Bloodshot. Oh, yeah, that too. Uh, But as of right now, it is getting 33%. Oh, that's not good. 56 total reviewers. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, so we shall see what ends up happening. See what the fans think, though, uh, because sometimes with that, you really want to see how the fans love it, because if you're a fan of the graphic novel and people who see it like it, then you can go, oh, well, critics, you might not have just got it. The thing with Vin Diesel is that even though he's the same character in every movie, they're still fun movies. Are they... Like the most brilliant film ever. Maybe visually they're pretty awesome. Like they do a really good job like with Fast and the Furious um, and all the other ones. And I think they did like a triple X one not too long ago too. That's like, right. There's like three of them. Yeah. Only the first one's good. But yeah. you know. yes. I mean, had Rammstein yeah. in it, I believe. Yep. Yep. And the second one didn't have him in it. So we're going to pretend that one never happened. Yeah. But again, if you like any of his other movies, you're going to like this movie. That's the whole point. It's action. There's fighting. It's... It's like if you're watching Jason Statham and you're like, oh, I don't know if he's going to be good in this role. And you're like, he plays one role. Exactly. I can't yeah. tell you all his movies. I can't tell because I don't know which is which, like what character and what theme because it's all the same. But there's something about Statham and maybe because I just, ha- you know, I'm biased towards European actors. But I feel like Statham is more enjoyable to watch as the same guy than Vin Diesel is enjoyable to watch as the same guy. I think it's because his characters lend themselves more to being douches. Like Vin, like Jason Statham's kind of like the loner badass yeah. where, mm-hmm. J- where, you know, Vin Diesel's kind of like the know-it-all thug which is yeah. not what people like as much. Yeah, I think you've got a good point there. He's not a likable character in my mind, you know, uh, whereas Statham, you know, he's the strong, silent type or, you know, the the why the smart athlete Brit. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I just I like Statham more than I like Vin Diesel uh, as far as an action star. At the end of the day, it's funny because Vin Diesel has such a fantastic voice between, and granted, he doesn't say much in these movies, but, you know, in Guardians of the Galaxy as well as the Iron Giant Like, he's just so good at voice work. I think he needs to just stick to voice work for a little while and just kind of give us a little palate cleanser, if you will. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to call Vin and say, look, we've got a new talent manager for you. She's got it all figured out. I got it all figured out. Uh, Other movie that's coming out this weekend. Actually, this was a movie that was pushed back because of a lot of uh, tragedies and stuff. The Hunt. Um, oh, yeah. That's about people hunting people, right? Yep. It's that thriller, scary movie. And it stars... Uh, Betty Gilpin, she was in American Gods, and she was also in, she's in Glow. Oh yeah, she was also uh, the, f- the female doctor in uh, Nurse uh, Jackie? Nurse Jackie. Yes, thank you. She was like in the last couple of seasons of that. Uh, but I mean, it looks like it's badass, but it's only getting fifty five percent right now. It's a great story. The most deadly is it the most dangerous game or the most deadly game? It's a great short mm-hmm. story about people hunting people, and it's always been redone. And I I really had high hopes for this. So I mean, who knows? We'll see what the audience oh, says. Fifty five isn't horrible. No. Um, If you're not really feeling those, there are two movies that came out recently that are looking really, really good right now. If you want something not so creepy or thrillery, Onward, which is that uh, Disney Pixar movie. Oh, it's about like uh, elves or magic usually. Yeah, like elven brothers. And the brothers are played by Star-Lord and Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's (laughs) right. Chris Pratt and Tom Holland. uh, And they use some magic to bring their father back, but they only bring back like the lower half of him. So he's just these pair of walking legs. And so they have to go on this adventure to try to bring him back like fully before it, it's stuck like that. And that's Pixar. Pixar, Disney and, Pixar. Uh, how's it, what's, what's it getting for uh, an RT? Uh, for the tomato meter, 87%. For the audience score, 96 Oh, that's nice. It's really good. You know, because it's not a Disney. Oh, oh it is a it's, Disney, oh, it's Pixar. Disney Pixar. Yeah, mm-hmm. well then, you know what? That's a winner. <laughs> it's good. Plus, I'll wait for it on Disney+. Plus. Exactly. But if you're looking for something more, you know, adulty, 
The Invisible Man. I have a friend who said it was really good. Really? Yeah. See, I, uh, it is getting 91% on the tomato meter and the audience score is 88. Wow. I, I had a freaking nightmare based on the trailer alone. Okay, this so is... I can't watch this. <laughs> this is impressive because the he's the he's one of the classic, if you will, universal monsters. Yes. And, you know, you wondered if anybody cares anymore. Like, why would anybody think The Invisible Man's a great movie and it's been redone a lot of times? But eight, 91%, that's impressive. All right, so just I'm basing this off the trailers I've seen... Uh, it seems like a woman that is being stalked by somebody that is from her past. Uh, in the previous Invisible Man movies, because the only one I can kind of remember is the one with Kevin Bacon in it. Uh, what was it called? Hollow Man? Oh, Hollow Man, yeah. Um, and I'm, I've never seen any of the original Invisible Man's. Like, what's his story? What makes him the bad guy? It, it, see, the thing is, is I don't think he ever was a bad guy in those other incarnations. I think he was, uh, I don't know whether he was a scientist or whether he was some guy that uh, unfortunately drank the wrong kind of serum. It was almost a, a, he was a tragic protagonist. Gotcha. This is a, at least, as, again, I'm not a big, I'm not a big Invisible Man aficionado, mm-hmm. so I don't know. But I don't remember him being a bad guy. Guy like stalking women, like they they mm. have him in this one. Uh, and uh, the main character is played by Elizabeth Moss, who is a fantastic oh, actress. Oh well, she, if you want someone that can portray misery, honest to God, Elizabeth oh, yeah. Moss unfortunately is the poster child for if your character is going through trauma, she's the best person to play that. I mean. The stuff that she goes through on Handmaid's Tale, you just go, please, somebody, just tell her, give her a break. Can somebody please give poor Elizabeth Moss a break? Uh, But if you guys have seen any of these movies or will be seeing them, please let us know. We would love to hear your reviews. Um, And Joe, take it away. Until next time, stay nerdy. Nailed it. Nice job. Your inner geek wants to come out and play, but where to go? Join Vernon Wells, the ultimate club where you and your fellow geeks can hang out, play games, and just nerd out 24-7. Whether you love RPGs, video games, or are just a major fan of sci-fi and geek culture, Vernon Wells has something for everyone. Let your geek flag fly at Vernon Wells. Sign up today and see for yourself. VNW.club. That's VNW.club.